0: Good. Hello, We're Nick. On. What's up, buddy? Nick, Nick and Nico, and uh, that will be an uh, interesting chat, you know, fire chat, and we have uh, exactly like fire in the background, uh, <laughs> right? Let's, let's keep uh, keeping uh, even more fire on our chat. So, Nick Gala, um, <laughs> it's it's great to talk to you again, and uh, looking forward to to learn more about your growth, your personal perspective, and the uh, Big Five for for your fast forward. Uh, thank you for joining me. And uh, will be pleasure to share this with all our fast forward listeners. So where we present unicorn leaders, um, groundbreaking ideas, top thinkers like you, and some of the best walls, best disruptions uh, that we get in touch with. So we're gonna go through the five, the big five questions, uh, discussing about the black swan, talking about uh, sharks in the blue ocean, talking about markets gonna to move to the unicorns and fast fast forward of the companies moving to the fast forward products with the set guiding how to differentiate uh, on the uh, your products and on the last one the oldest theory butterfly wings effect by Jacques Demain, um, talking about personal fast forward so uh, let's let's go one by one so talking about the global how do you see um, things happening now, influencing trends maybe outside of the industry Do you see moving fast forwards, you and your company?
1: Yeah, I love the question. So glad to be here. Great to reconnect with you, man. Um, You know, I think the biggest change that's going on in not just our industry, but all industries is this generational shift. So what's going on right now is there are about half of our workforce right now are Gen Z and millennials and over the next five to ten years depending on where you draw the lines between generations that population is going to swell to you know about approximately 75 percent of our workforce and there's a massive massive opportunity um, that organizations can take advantage of by understanding these new groups that are coming into the workforce you know right now they're they're typically sort of mid to lower level within the organizations they're ascent to their to higher levels in the organization is just going to perpetuate and continue. And as that rise occurs, there we're, we're going to see significant changes in the footprints of our organizations, the impact of our organizations, the scope of the purpose of the organization, moving away from the sort of uh, archaic dollar, my, dollar myopia to a more kind of stakeholder approach that's looking at the business's impact, obviously not, you know, obviously beyond Uh, the shareholders, but to the broader community, to the employees, to to the broader world. So if you think about these generational differences and why there's so much sort of tension in our organizations, it's because these two constituent groups, you know, just to kind of draw a line between them, you know, we'll call kind of Gen Z uh, and millennials on one side of it. And we'll call, you know, baby boomers and Gen Xers on the other side of it. These new generations just have a different prioritization of values. You know, the, these, uh, the folks in this generation remember 9 11, they remember the, you know, the financial crisis, they saw housing, which, you know, our grandparents told us that was only going to go up and Hey, this is a piggy bank, put some more money in it. We saw a housing crash and saw people's, you know, retirements get wiped out. Their 401ks get wiped out and them have to work for an extra 15 years as, as a result of these sort of tenants that were the underpinnings of the quote unquote American dream. And there are corollaries to that, I think across the world. So. Uh, you know, a hi- any hierarchy only has one seat for that top thing. So if the old thing was, you know, getting money and having a comfortable life and have, you know, buying a house and retiring at 55 or or whatever that is, if that's no longer possible or these generations don't view that as possible, something else is going to fill that slot. And so, you know, the uh, the caricature of this generation is somebody who's 30 years old, has 150 thousand dollars of college debt, can't find a job, is still living. At home again, COVID notwithstanding, you know, COVID just kind of exacerbated a lot of these things. The thing that's filling that top spot for for this generation, again, as a broad brushstroke is something more purposeful, having uh, an organization whose purpose actually uh, authentically resonates with my own purpose and making a difference in the world and so forth. So that reprioritization re-prior- is causing some tension in our organizations right now because there's different priorities essentially at the sort of management level or the higher level versus what's happening sort of at the mid or lower levels in the company. So. You know, your question was what's the big change that's going on? It's this generational shift. And what I what I believe is that over the next five to ten years, the companies that authentically engage in this and authentically try to create a truly uh, you know inclusive culture that lets people, you know, bring their whole selves to work. And, you know, um those companies are just going to, to separate in meaningful ways from their competitors who are just kind of paying lip service to this. To this thing. So, ten years from now, we may see, you know, Coke and Pepsi have all the same marketing materials, all the same, uh, you know, codes of conduct and internal things and so forth. But one is going to separate for the, uh, from the other because, you know, and the one that separates is going to be the one that authentically can can create an environment that allows these these folks to thrive with this different hierarchy of needs and, and priorities.
0: Do you think if you take the case, for example, of remote work now, that's quite popular? And, uh, um, can we compare, you know, how generations are reacting on on remote work, on demands, you know, because we see our, uh, very different uh, approaches of the companies, you know, one for the PR, one from the real uh, inside, from the real insiders, actually, what's going on here?
1: Yeah. Great, I mean, great point. Um, it's a great sort of case study for what I'm talking about. Um, you know, before I answer that, let's kind of talk about what a what an employee or what a brand is right a brand typically has been an external facing thing it is the marketing it's the commercials it's all the pr stuff to your point well there's an inner surface of that brand uh and that's the employee experience and now as as you know as as the wall between these two different things has collapsed into sort of you know a single dimensional plane we recognize that it's actually the same thing and so now everybody has Twitter in their pocket and people will go online and share an internal correspondence that doesn't that doesn't resonate with that external brand. So the authenticity between the external brand, what potential clients see, and that which people inside the organization experience every day, that needs to be cohesive. So in a work from home environment, I think what what we're seeing is that it's flattened the world, so to speak, right? Labor mobility isn't Look, before work from home labor mobility was higher than it had ever been. Now, it sort of has risen exponentially because you can get a job in Colorado and never leave the northeast or you can work in a country across the world or I'm sorry, you can work in a company across the world and never meet the people that you're working with every day face to face because we're now in this new normal where, you know, we're doing meetings over Zoom and so forth. So, that just adds an accelerant to your point to Uh, this role that this relatively more mobile, relatively sort of less uh, dollar myopic population is going, you know, how that is going to play out. Look, people are going to vote with their feet and, uh, you know, hey, this company seems really great from the HR person I spoke to and the onboarding package. But when I get in, it felt like every other soulless company I've worked at before. And I can't sleep well at night or I don't feel fulfilled because the purpose of the organization is not resonating with my own purpose. Well, I'm gonna go ahead and find another job and I may never, never meet those people face to face, but I'm gonna plug in somewhere where where I can really resonate with the purpose and the mission of the organization. And we're starting to see that all over the place. So this is just, again, it's just another opportunity to collapse that wall for organizations between the employee experience and the external brand. And that can only happen when we recognize that we're really just talking about one thing. You know, That culture is what inflates uh, the broad company and allows for that external surface to be viewed by, by the marketplace. And if those things are cohesive, then that company can continue on as a going, going concern. And if, and if there's dissonance between, you know, the image I'm putting out in the market and what people inside are recognizing, well, that inauthenticity is going to rise to the surface way more quickly, you know, today than it did 10 years ago, for example.
0: You, you, you got me on, on, on branding, actually. So that's my background. I was working with uh, Leslie Deschanatoni, actually, on branding quite a few companies. He's the guy who uh, brought Mini, actually. He had, he had a Bianco check, you know, to, to build up the Mini. And he said, like, let's say, before we start building Mini or even cars and think of cars, let's do a formula which kind of people we want in the company. So before exactly. even building the factory or something something else. And that's why Mini was a success story because he did a formula for the branding from the inside, actually, from, from, the, from the early stage, even, even before Gen Z, uh, let's say. So so now, I mean, it's, even it's, more. it's yeah.
1: genius. It's absolutely genius. Like, build your team for the type of people, the type of players you want on that team. You know what I'm saying? If you can do that, then the odds of the internal brand or call that the employee experience and the external brand, the marketing, being actually cohesive is going to be just exponentially higher. It's, it's a great yeah. case study. That's super interesting, and and you know, as you said that, I was like, well, that makes sense. Why that brand has been so successful because it's, it's one thing. It's it's homogenous. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. yeah. At the end, actually, the the external, uh, how to say, visual elements, uh, just the. Uh, let's say part of the of the play that was coming from the inside, from the culture, from the inside, right. of course, resonating the usually get marketing agency or somebody building, but building on top of it, not not just you know marketing agency building first. You know we are the I don't know bank of the kind people, and then uh, you don't get kind service in in the office. Let's say. Well,
1: well yeah, great, great, great point. And I think when we can recognize that your brand, whether you're a company or a person, is really just your reputation. Again, it's historically been this external facing thing, but if you recognize that it's your reputation, well what kind of reputation does your company have with its employees? Is it one of, you know, cognitive dissonance because there's this massive gap between the aspirational culture that's on our mission and values page and that which people experience and live out every day? Or is it one that's kind of collapsing in that there's, you know, we feel like there's an authentic effort to maintain a high reputation internally? that's just gonna translate more cohesively to that to that external brand and that's gonna be really be kind of you know supercharged gasoline in in that organizational vehicle you know
0: great so um usually um it used to be in our childhood actually there was not so much choice of of ice cream you know when you go great point. Today to the to the ice cream you know there's much more beyond plain plain uh vanilla in you know, a let's say right there's it, so many combinations i was last time i i took um the strawberry and uh and and uh, peppers, you know, in in the ice cream shop. So it's it's question: Are you ready to try? And you know, it's something differentiating. You know, but I'm, I'm catching also here. let catch up on the on the second animal. Let's say on the on the fast forward on the markets and be, bringing the value innovation in this let's say blue lagoon. You know, where do you see this blue lagoon on, on your market market niche, for example, for for your future?
1: Yeah, I love that question. Um, so it kind of dovetails. Uh, you'll, you're probably going to see a common thread throughout this conversation because, you know, I always believe and my brother always believed that the only sustainable competitive advantage in business is culture. A culture is simply, though, just the sum total of actual behaviors, actual values, actual activities, you know, amalgamated across all the individuals that choose to show up every day uh, at the same place to pursue that organization's mission. So. What we have done in our company is we have placed a tremendous amount of focus, a tremendous amount of effort, and resources on building an authentic culture that allows people to bring their unique gifts to work. Listen, there is this silent killer across most all businesses, um, and it is an employee engagement killer. We are used to employees, you know, on average pushing that gas pedal down only about 70%. That's kind of the national average in our country. Um, So there's a bunch of headroom and there's a bunch of opportunity to get more of that discretionary effort over and above that, you know, that minimum below which somebody gets fired, but you're only going to get that discretionary effort if somebody wants to give it and people are not going to be coerced into it. It's not about walking around with a riding crop and a bullhorn yelling at people to row faster. It's about having a destination that we all want to pursue and everyone's rowing as hard as they can because they're driven by their own purpose to, to get there. So with that kind of a framework and philosophy, you know, we approached this business and we built the business upon that. So for us really our big, you know, blue ocean strategy is one of, of uh, you know, authentic culture because that translates into a way more meaningful employee experience, a way more meaningful than uh, client experience. And that allows for a lot of that goodness that shows up on our panel and shows up in our, our metrics and trends over time. So, you know, Our whole kind of brand promise in our marketplace is that compliance line cares. There's been a lot of sort of external money that's come into our marketplace of people who don't really care. You know, I mean, they're in the bit, you know, a private equity firm is in the business of making money. All good. I'm not throwing stones. I'm just calling, you know, I'm calling the ball and a strike. You know what I'm saying? I'm the umpire here. Yeah so all good but but many times that's in conflict with what's in the best interest for the client so if we can keep the client as at the top of our org structure keep our org structure flipped upside down so that we're actually a company of servants I'm the chief servant my brothers the chief servant we're all serving up with the client that's on the- top that's a mentality that is not you can't impose that that mentality onto in another organization, you know, on an organization that, that has to bubble up from the ground that has to sprout up from, you know, from the soil. So that's just a very difficult thing to recreate. Like if I invented an iPhone, you could go and invent an iPhone, you know, a Samsung or, you know, another smartphone, but the delivery of that to the marketplace is done by people. And if we, as you know, leaders in our organization can just, even marginally increase the level of discretionary effort that people are providing naturally versus sort of trying to pull it out of them and managing them by fear. There's just so much magic and so much, uh, benefit from the diversity inherent to all of our organizations that, you know, the company, and then, you know, correspondingly the clients are going to gain the benefit of.
0: Yeah. Um, it's, it's interesting, you know, how also, especially in IT, when we see, when we talk to competition, um, and, and see how, the they try to play um kind to the generation z in a way i mean you're talking about the blue lagoon and niche and it's interesting how when i was talking also with with um our hr you know how companies especially in it they start offering pools uh you know playrooms uh, yeah. Camp- kombucha customers.
1: bars yeah exactly
0: you know, whatever is trendy to get, especially in Silicon Valley, you know, to, to attract people, you know, to stay there, not to change job, you know, and, and even you talk about Europe, going up and up on the levels, let's say what you can, I know even the company transforming five-star hotels to the offices just to give five-star experience, <laughs> right? in it's it's question also, how do you communicate that outside and inside? If if you're just promoting, hey, there's a picture of our pool, would you join us? You know, you uh, uh, one, one man said, you will just get the swimmers you know you will not get people who want to really dig in you know get the hard work you will know. just get you know people who like to swim you know maybe they will know something from IT but if you show people you know exactly what are the values that you're building up uh, that you can um, uh, actually use the sh- uh, shovel you know and, and dig hard in these things but you can even use the pool and the rest you know but you know, right. to, to to build on, on the something more than the, just being uh, the next ninja in the company, you know, but appreciating you as a person. You know? yeah.
1: yeah, I think there's there's a couple of things that that have gone on here, and let's just use Google as like the archetype of this thing, because I think they were really you know, they probably didn't invent this, but they were at least the ones who made it the most popular maybe 10 years ago, to your point of having, you know, four star chefs and all the food you wanted, and you can take a nap and you can get your dry cleaning done and all these sort of perks. Well, I think a lot of people have tried to emulate that. And they've tried to, again, just put the facade around the business and saying, hey, here's a pool table in the break room and here's a bunch of free granola bars. Well, if that is a, uh, you know, if that is an output, of a culture then i think it's a lot stronger than it trying to be an input on the culture so if the natural outcropping of your culture is hey we work hard and we play hard and we're going to have a sort of a work life harmony not work life balance and we're going to have these things you know in the office but hey we're still a really high performing culture like it has that yin and yang then there's room for it but i've just seen a lot of organizations just try to be like oh i guess the thing is to have a kombucha bar and have an espresso machine in the office and then they think that all of that goodness that comes from a really strong culture is just naturally going to sprout up. And I don't think I don't think you can fix your house by painting the bricks of the house. Okay. You know what I'm saying? You have to fix the actual house, right? Yeah. So I think that's a big piece of the puzzle. But you were talking about, hey, showing this picture of the pool of the pool, and then you're just going to get the swimmers. I think you have to you have to underscore the hard and the soft. Like you have to yin and yang it. And you're not trying to just sell, you know, I'm not just trying to sell you something, you know, a job. Uh, and you're going to go away no you're going to be part of this family so you need to have a very clear picture of like what you're actually stepping into and so that's again talking about both of those pieces of the puzzle and um you know if the name of the game is psychological safety and making people feel at home at at work that, you know, that allows an organization to basically draw lines of safety around the business for people to exist in and not be scared all the time of, Hey, am I going to lose my job? Am I going to do the wrong thing? Right. Um, but also if I think you're doing it right, that psychological safety and that long-term view of people actually buy into it allows for a lot more candor and a lot more, you know, if you're on the football field, for example, right. You know, where those lines are, everyone's got Got the same jerseys, so you know that you're on the team. Well, if a guy misses a block or uh, you know doesn't cover the guy that he's supposed to, it's not a big issue where you have to go through you know an assistant coach and get the assistant coach to bring somebody else in as a witness. You know, I'm trying to kind of like paint a picture of like the typical HR feedback loop uh, to to tell that guy no, you you grab him by the helmet and you say hey, can you please block that guy and you hit the ground and you you keep running forward. So if you can incorporate some of that candor into the business that again it's not a it's not a license to like be a jerk to folks but hey i'm going to tell you if something's messed up because we're trying to move fast here and i'm taking the long term view so you don't have to drive home every night with a knot in your stomach thinking that you're going to you know get fired but but i'm going to talk straight across the table in terms of expectations what's working what's not working and that and that needs to be able to go both ways so i think on that onboarding piece or you know with respect to attracting the right talent the more you can articulate those hard pieces Uh, in conjunction with those sort of softer pieces or those nicer kind of attraction, you know, benefit pieces, whatever, um, the higher the odds are that you find somebody that's really looking for that. Because listen, there's a lot of people at a lot of organizations that wish they were in a high performance culture. Well, okay, talk about that. You know, you're going to start to attract the people that you want, if you can clearly articulate what you're bringing to the table for, for folks. So um, that's that kind of employer branding piece that, shows itself on the hiring front. You know what I mean? Um, And I just, I always see companies Kind of lean into all the good stuff and all the benefits it's like i'm trying to sell you a bill of goods every company has problems every company has frustrations and when i'm bringing somebody on board or i'm looking to, to bring some somebody new on i am pushing them big time you need to talk to other people in the company you need to ask them the tough questions because i'm not trying to give you a snow job this needs to be a two-way interview because if i'm if somebody's joining our ship for this journey i want them to stick on the ship for the whole journey you know what i'm saying and that can only happen when they have a, a relatively more clear picture of what they're getting involved with.
0: Amazing yeah, so it's really interesting now to hear also uh, what's your company doing you know how do you run fast forward with, with your company growing so fast and actually achieving all this can you tell us a little bit more about the company about your let's say goals uh, in, in achieving all this what we were talking on the market and globally.
1: Yeah, thank you. Um, So our company uh, compliance line has a suite of corporate integrity products. Those range from, you know, so these are all products and services that allow leaders who care to uh, reinforce their culture, crowdsource, risk management and ultimately improve their bottom line and presence in the marketplace. and the solutions fall into a few different categories. We have you know compliance training that's super interactive that has all the most recent you know behavioral psychology embedded in it so that people actually watch it and actually learn the information. We have whistleblower solutions which are software uh, intake channels uh, for people to speak up. Uh, and raise issues within their organization, ranging from you know discrimination or conflicts of interest or any of the things that happen in an in an organization to help you know again extinguish risk. And then finally, screening and monitoring, ranging from you know full employees' lifecycle, from background checks to ongoing screening and monitoring, license checks, and things like that. So we're at a really interesting. You know, I love the business that we're in, as you can tell. Like I'm a big culture guy, and it's great that we're able to help larger organizations. Uh, you know, reinforce their cultures and give a voice to the people that are crying out in their companies. So right now, uh, we serve about seven million uh, employees around the world uh, across our client base, which is super exciting. And we have a goal for that to be a hundred million uh, in the next ten years. So um, we're we're growing quickly, but you know, the big thing for us is to make sure that you know that the experience that that, that the fifty millionth person gets. Is the same as what folks that are in the seven million that we have right now um, are experiencing with us. So that means a constant rearticulation and a constant conveyance to our team of what our purpose is and what we're trying to do and what we're doing this quarter uh, to meet our brand promise and meet our internal values and you know give people a voice within our our own company. Um, you know nobody would ever uh, continue at a um, you know, a, uh, at a, on an exercise class or a spinning class, if the person up there is 450 pounds, you know, you're like, this guy yes. is not gonna teach me to get in shape. Somebody needs to be in, sh- you know, the person teaching the exercise class needs to be in shape. That's the point. So we need to make sure that our house is in order, so that the experience, the advice, the interaction we have with our clients, which we, which we want to maintain for 10, 20 years, uh, is going to be consistent and be of of value. I think focusing on uh, the pain points of our clients, listening to the feedback, and again taking that long-term approach is what's going to really allow us to get there. Now I feel like you had a question that I didn't answer uh, in that in that rambling there. So did uh, I miss anything?
0: It's good. No, no, it didn't. Okay. It's it's uh, you have a new web page, so I mean, uh, in the meantime, since we were talking last time, it looks yeah it looks, uh, awesome. Let's say oh, thank you. you. Much more um, explanatory, let's say, to understand and already, well, seven million people uh, on, on on the list is uh, quite uh, impressive. Let's say thank you. Yeah, and uh, when when you think of of the projects that you're doing, uh, what's you most proud of working on in in your company?
1: So um, we have a new software. Uh, rollout that's coming that I'm pretty proud of. Um, this is our, our new case management software. Um, this is gonna help us surpass a lot of our our competitors. We've had a ton of feedback from clients about what's working with other folks, what's not, what they need kind of built in because at the end of the day if we're not alleviating pain points to what i was saying before if we're not adding real value well then why is someone going to stay with us so you know our whole philosophy is i want to earn our clients business every single day i'm not trying to handcuff them to the radiator with some weird contract that's going to take you know 5 years uh, to litigate because because i haven't done my part to keep their business so in order to do that we really have to incorporate all that feedback That we're getting, take action on it and be responsive to the marketplace so that the solutions continue to provide efficiency and effective sort of risk mitigation. So that's a big one. And I'm really also, uh, I'm really pretty proud of um, our sales development uh, team. That's a team that I'm over, and we have made a lot of changes in terms of our approach to the marketplace. Um, I think when we started, we kind of took some kind of off the shelf, you know, advice and, you know, recently kind of a light bulb went on and said like, and we kind of realized that, you know, our outreach needs to be, you know, to my point from before, like our outreach needs to be consistent with our values and our approach to, to the solutions that we, we provide, you know, we don't take square pegs and jam them into round holes. We want to configure a solution for the unique situation that that somebody may be in well our outreach needs to do that as well so watching this team get up their j curve over the last couple of months and embrace this new sort of uh personalized um value forward approach not just trying to get get an appointment but really try to understand hey is this the right time uh can we actually make your life better uh through a conversation or just by sharing some uh, some some techniques those are two kind of uh you know exhibits of our of our heart you know what i'm saying in two different realms that i'm i'm pretty proud of
0: and if you look in the future for example what what are the two things that you will double down in in your company in the future and maybe why
1: yeah i think um you know our company has almost doubled in in size over the last couple of years so it seems silly but we're continually trying to double down on the culture piece because it's very easy it's very easy for a a sauce to get Diluted. Add a cup, you know, add a, a quarter cup of water to a can of Coca-Cola and it's gonna taste very, very different. You know what I'm saying? So we need to double down on the culture piece, double down on making sure that new folks have a voice because you know, there's a layer of employees within our organization, you know, due to our, our rapid growth that are, are new. Those, those, we need to make sure that, that those people are grafted onto the vines, so to speak, and feel comfortable, uh, enough and included enough to raise their hand when they see something, you know, not working or not right, or, or they just have a concern. So that's a big one. And then the other thing that we've doubled down on is our software development. So again, kind of a hard and soft, we need to be doubling down on both both categories of things, and so we've changed our software development approach uh, over the last twelve months, and it's just allow, allowing us to rip out a lot uh, a lot better software, a lot more quickly. Uh, new features that clients request can be rolled out, you know, in less than a month. And it's really this this sort of uh, agility that we want to maintain as we grow. Again, if it's going to be cohesive, and we're talking about one thing, that also needs to be lived out in our software development and uh yeah so those those are are the two bets that we're really kind of you know stacking more chips up on
0: okay thank you so it's it's changing uh, with uh with the speed and fast forward i believe also there's a lot of changes like you already mentioned the product that you're developing and and how you progress in that but how do you differentiate you know how do you see the product your product is differentiating it's really how to say a nice blue lagoon that you're developing. And do you see also that you can keep differentiating to the big competitors or let's say the global players?
1: Yeah, it's a very interesting question. and. Um... You know, to get into the conversations, we have to kind of talk about the basic things, the basic pain points that folks may may be, you know, seeing. But I think once somebody gets deeper into a conversation with us, our our Blue Lagoon, I mean, again, it sounds stupid and it sounds silly, but, uh, you know, it's just that we care. So, you know, we want to be a lot more like uh, a Sherpa who can help you climb a mountain you haven't climbed before than we're like a butler who's just standing with a silver tray with your martini on it. That's a, that's a table you know what I'm saying? A uh, Sherpa is somebody who you're relying on to get to your dest- destination. And you know the best Sherpas are willing to pick your bag up for you, uh, give you insights about as the weather changes or, or if a plan needs to change and so forth. So taking that long-term view, which is something that we can afford to do both philosophically and from our, our capital structure and things like that is a massive differentiator once somebody's in the saddle with us, because it just gives us so much flexibility to like I don't need to nickel and dime with a client you know what I'm saying I don't need to uh, like I said handcuff them to a radiator with some bizarre five year contract that I'm not fulfilling my end of the bargain on but hey the letter of the law is the letter of the law so that's what ends up keeping folks with us and keeps our, our I mean we have a we have a gross churn of less than than 3% which is okay. extremely low for a SaaS company you know what, what I'm mean? saying it is. but but the point is that's not features based of course the features need need to be kept up and we you know we're always updating those things but it's the manner in which, uh, you know, they can rely on us as they go down their sort of risk risk mitigation or culture journey, is really what ends up keeping folks with us. So again, you you can't just you know if you have a a you know you know for a competitor to say hey I want everybody to start start caring and they're banging a gavel, well again that that needs to come you know from the inside out if that's going to be authentic and something that someone can actually rely on from a client perspective.
0: Thank you it's uh, not easy how to say but uh how do you plan for example also uh, to to develop or redesign your products or services uh, let's say by by with speed do you develop everything inside all the technology or you uh try to find the best partners for this or how you
1: go you know we do a mix depending on what it is um all the all the brain power is within yeah. our our company, we we may get some brick layers from time to time to help us, you know, erect the wall, so to speak. But um, it's really about constantly being in front of the client, constantly interacting. Hey, is this working? What's not working? What would really make your life easier? I mean, that as a question, everyone should be asking their clients, what could I do to make your life easier? What do you wish this thing did? And you're gonna get a ton of answers that you can start to document and you can start to Pareto that list in terms of what's gonna give the bang, you know, the biggest sort of effectiveness bang for the unit of effort buck and start to put things out that actually meet the needs of the client. Like we don't wanna be a company that's trying to sell, you know, I don't wanna sell a client on a crappy solution. You know, and be like, well, you don't. Know, you don't need to do that. I want to have the best solution possible for them with the most configurability to meet their specific needs. So it's not like trying to shoe, shoehorn a new uh, a new tool into an existing process. So I just think it's constant. It's constant conversations uh, with these people that you're partnered with on the client side. So it's
0: kind of for the innovation sprints with your clients. You know, all the yeah, time. exactly. Yeah, this, yeah, creative or even design sprints in before even. Uh, building the the innovation and and then uh, delivery deployment of
1: You got Um, it. Yeah, Yeah,
0: that's exactly right. Good. Um, And moving to the last animal, I would like to ask uh, you, Jacques Demard, did really old uh, theory more than 120 years ago about butterfly wings you know making the hurricane on the flap of the wings on the one side is making hurricane hopefully not in Louisiana uh, and uh, the other side of the world and uh, here are a few questions that personally I would like to ask you know what yeah what do you you see as the biggest challenge you faced in in your career how did you handle it
1: oh man um I think the biggest challenge I I've had and probably still have is like the fear of failure. You know, um, we've made a big bet on this company and it's very public and, you know, I really want it to be a success, not just sort of monetarily, but just for creating opportunities for folks and magnifying our impact. So I think that like imposter syndrome is something that I probably battle with all the time. Cause I just feel like I'm just, you know, a guy, uh, which I am, um, you, you know, irrespective of the role that I'm in. So. You know, how I deal with that, I think, is just trying to learn more and trying to, you know, read books and, you know, listen to podcasts of other people who have, who are further down the path than I am. And I think the more I do that, the more I realize that the feelings that I'm having are pretty normal. Like everyone feels it, right? Even, uh, you know, even Elvis would have, uh, you know, his heart would probably race before he stepped out on stage, maybe not toward the end, but at least initially he did. Right. So that's, that's a normal feeling. The imposter syndrome is, is a norm, a normal feeling. The fear of failure can be a great fuel, but it also can hit a tipping point where it becomes destructive and can lead to self-sabotage. So trying to stay on the good side of that, you know, fear of failure is, uh, always a challenge and also kind of trying to divorce myself from the outcome. Like I can't control, I can't control the weather, right? But I can control if I put the right seeds in the right soil that I've tilled appropriately. And if things line up, well, I can point to the things that I've, you know, I was able to control and the things that I can't control, you know, I guess I'm just saying like recognizing where that where that line is between what I can control and what I can't. And so many of the things that end up determining whether something is a success or not, um are really kind of outputs to a complex system a multi-factor equation that you don't really have any influence on or any true control over so i guess trying to keep that in front of mind and keeping my headspace as clear as it can be um it's just it i think it's it's a challenge because there's all these dynamics kind of flying around and all these new challenges popping up and things like that but trying to maintain that and recognize that hey i just need to put one foot in front of the other obviously keep the goal in mind but just focus on one foot in front of the other planting those good seeds and letting the harvest take care of itself
0: that's that's amazing is that maybe part of this pressure coming from your you're uh, having a, a line of entrepreneurs in your, in your family you know is that also influenced maybe
1: yeah it might be i don't know um i've just you know my brother and i we've just always had really big dreams we've always wanted to make a big dent on the world and Yeah, I mean, there's probably some like deep identity stuff in it, you know, like, I've always been a top performer, I want to continue to be a top performer, you know, being a top performer means there's some kind of external output, there's some kind of score on the board that you can point to and something tangible, um, which again, it gets increasingly difficult when the work you're doing, so to speak, is done through hundreds of people or dozens of teams or whatever. but yeah there's absolutely probably some like foundational like pressure there that's just kind of built into our DNA or something you know yeah yeah
0: but it's still you know it's it's still um, how to say american dream in a way yeah, uh, with with a background and and it's it's coming from immigration. It's it's the same actually in HTE group that we have, like both founders. So Is that right? Sexually, they moved one uh, to the Midwest, one to Silicon Valley, and actually starting with HTEC was like, hey, they they just moved with their family, you know, they they just got married and moved moved away. It, yeah. they didn't have anything to start with, and uh, only their knowledge, their hands, let's say, to to start their passion, right? Yeah, exactly. And it's it's everything. It's on you and uh, the hunger that you have. It's beyond. You know just basics but it's driving you the drive that you get out of this fashion actually it's it's keep moving the companies. now we are just reaching this month to one thousand employees so it's, wow. it's uh speeding up amazing uh, 236 last january now it's thousand and wow so we, we plan uh yeah three thousand next year so amazing
1: so you're you're living in what i'm talking about i mean that's exactly. amazing i'm I'm, yeah. I'm
0: testing this these five animals looks like a strange story but it's for last uh, i wrote a book about uh, 11 years ago 21 year ago about searching for the venture capital and business angels and all the growth and then yeah. it took me like 10 years to develop a model And for the last 10 years i'm testing before i prepare the next book and it's it's going actually on these five animals trying to prove the model that these cool. are the pillars of growth and uh, more and more, I'm searching, and now living also one of the stories. You know, you look what exactly can um fit. Is this the model? It like kind of the whole right. gra- grail of of my research is the right speed to the right company and team. You know, right. can you can you calculate like the more low or, or something? What is the right speed? Because you right. can go too fast, you can, you can burn. You can go too slow. You're not using the capacities, or you're uh, right. you know, too profitable, or whatever. You know, it's. It's finding just the right uh, speed. And at the end, it always comes to the people, like you said, you know, not just first one, but when you have your, uh, I don't know, your ice cream shop, you know, it's everything is about you. But when you open the second one or you have factory of ice cream, you know, it's the culture that's built first around you and then all the pillars that you built with with the people joining uh, your
1: team. I love that framework. I mean, again, I always say this, but like, the most profound things are so simple, so simple, but really dialing that speed into this engine that you're operating, dialing that in right is really the name of the game, you know? I'm sure if you could do it again, you'd know some points on your own path in your own company that you maybe should have slowed down or you're like, "Ah, man, in retrospect, I could have pushed on the gas a little bit more and run this engine a, l- a little hotter." Yeah, that is a tough one though. It's like, you know, you're balancing a a ball on your on a fingertip or something. <laughs> like it's yeah, it's very yeah. difficult to keep balanced and keep you know, keep it kind of moving forward effectively. But I love that concept. I'm, I'm I'm sure I'll spend a lot of time thinking about that.
0: Yeah, because the components are more or less the same, you know, when, when we, yeah, like, right. and, and I saw this 10 years ago, the components, people, it's it's money, it's uh, the elements that you have to do right. the formula. It's like making gin tonic, you know, you can put so much gin to a tonic, you know, okay, you can pick yes. that, but how fast is somebody drinking? You know, ah, that's another question. This, Good point, or, and, great analogy.
1: Yeah, That's a great analogy, yeah. <laughs> So
0: yeah here here's also uh, i mean it's amazing case that you have and and company I'll really love to share this with uh, with people uh, watching fast forward podcast uh, and I'm sure that it would be interesting to hear what's your also let's call it superpowers you know what keeps you going through your toughest days you know is it kids is it family is it your brother that you're working with you know how do you see this what's what's pushing you forward
1: yeah, that's a that's a really interesting question. Um, you know, I'm very fortunate to be partnered with my brother in the operation of this company and the building of this company. Um, he is like, you know, he's my best friend. You know, we come from the same place. We have the same ethos and views on the world. Uh, we're very different, but we're very complementary. Um, so, just having someone to go through it with me is a big one. And you know, my other motivation is probably my wife and my kids. I want them to be proud of me. I want to make a good life for them. I want them to look at the work that I've done and say, you know, my parents as well, of course, to look at the work that I've done and be proud uh, of that. So, I know that's very ethereal. Um, and that's very high level. I think on a day-to-day basis, it's probably, you know, probably the fear of failure and wanting to, you know, make sure that I'm not a liar, like us saying that we care. And then a client on the other side, when something goes wrong, yeah, you know, things do do go wrong from time to time, uh, even in our business, um, you know, making good on those promises. Uh, that's, I want to be, you know, I want there to be, you um, I don't want there to be dissonance between my words and deeds. You know what I'm saying? And when I say my, I mean also the whole company's uh, impact on the client and on the marketplace and things like that. So, those are probably the three. You know, my brother, my uh, my wife and family, and just kind of day to day making sure that we're living up to the big claims. Uh, you know, we've made. And you know, there's a real sense of urgency here because you know this generational shift is not going to happen every five years. This is like a once in a lifetime, given the. Given the the size of these generations and the size of these constituent groups and how different they are, um, it's a really big opportunity. And you know, we have a lot. We have a unique thing to bring to the marketplace. We have a unique heart. You know, my brother and I have a unique background. I think, and it's our company's duty to make the world a better workplace. Like we are particularly set up to do it. We have the capital structure that allows us for a long term view to play that infinite game to put the client first. All these pieces that I think lead to a great. You know building a great company we have them in place we just need to get out there and push it more and increase that seven to fifty and then on on, on to a hundred million people you know
0: yeah yeah, amazing and uh, when you, do you see it's more personal question but uh, i really like the how do you say you call it sherpa and and then the chief servant you know how does your kids see you are you also sherpa to them
1: chief yelling chief yeller Yeah, I'm kidding. (laughs) I mean, you know, uh, me and my brother uh, always joke that like, as a dad, you're like the bottom rung on on the totem pole. You're the rung that, you know, all the grass grows up around that you got to trim it down. So it's just kind of the nature of the beast to be that kind of servant in all areas of your life. Like I'm definitely not walking in in the door and getting, you know, foot massages and stuff like that. You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, I want to, you know, and balancing and kind of trying to create harmony between my work life and home life are super critical. But uh, I don't know, you'd have to ask them because, you know, your external, ar- you can never be too sure about what your external awareness actually is. You know what I mean? Managing expectations, you know. When, when is exactly. When,
0: when, when is the day for sweets? You know, I know. It exactly. Yeah, what, what, uh, what are they expecting in a way? So, but, right. yeah, we build these expectations for all their lives, you know. So from the early stage, you know, we build them as much as we can give them and right. uh in in some stage it, they're they're shaped in kindergarten in school by by their friends you know like right. i think if you give them the right values like the, like you mentioning to to company you know if you build the right values at the beginning you know it's it's really giving them much easier to build up you know to stand for themselves right.
1: yeah. yeah that's a great point yeah we got to equip them to be sort of fully functioning hu- human beings you know not 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 selfish animals you know that look yeah. for what they can do for other people and what difference they can make in, in the world. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: And uh, for for the end, I mean, uh, if you talk about inspiration, what what do you? Since you're, um, you you mentioned you know podcasts and, and you love audiobooks, and uh, what what do you suggest? There you know, maybe some tools or or some uh, things to read, to listen, to watch, to to stay inspired.
1: Yeah, well, definitely the ethics experts. I'm kidding. That is, but of also course. check it out if if you like. That's uh, that's our our podcast. Um, but kidding aside, um, you know, last year I did the hundred book challenge, and there were so many books. Like I learned more last year than I think I did in the five or ten years before that. Um, and a couple that really jump out to me that 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 were super resonant with I think what we're trying to build. Uh, one is called uh, This Could This Could Be Our Future. A uh, really great book um, by a guy named Yancy. I think he started PayPal and uh, really a phenomenal book. Uh, it's kind of a manifesto about this sort of more uh, kind of widening, widening the scope of what a business can be. And it's really kind of, kind of a stakeholder versus a shareholder approach to running a business. That's a really great one. And there's another great book uh, called Everybody Matters by a guy named Bob Chapman. I would highly recommend that book. This is a guy who's been able to basically McDonaldize culture and build a massive company through acquisition and basically push, uh, an authentic culture. That's not like imposed on the, uh, the acquisition companies, but one that again, helps to release that magic in the workforce. So those are two great, uh, really great, um, books that I'd recommend to anybody that's in business to just open your mind a little bit to, you know, really the good, um, uh, the, the good that, uh that, um, you know, a company can do for the world. Great.
0: So great tips, great uh, insights. So Nick,
1: always pleasure
0: sharing with you. And uh, I hope we have one time uh, more, uh, let's say, a lifetime together to enjoy a real real, uh, fireplace, you know, and uh, find some good uh, bottle of Italian wine, for example. Yes, uh, I would love that. We could enjoy it.
1: Yeah, man absolutely thank you so much for having me on this was an absolute blast uh always a pleasure love your work uh love uh love the podcast and all all you guys are doing to uh to, to change the world thank you